Yep. Yep. All right. Last time I did this with Justin. So today it's Heather. Choose A, B, C, or I don't know, D, I guess. I don't know if I have a D. I don't really know if I have a C. It really just kind of depends on what uh, letter you choose, whether or not I'm going to really wing it or not. Okay. So it sounds like you do have an A or a B. So let's go B. Well, it's not really, but I can swing those a little easier because they're a little bit more specific. You know. Okay. So you want B? Yeah. All right. Uh, so B is kind of an in general type of mu- uh, music question. Um, so I just, uh, I guess. Uh, what song's been stuck in my head for the last like three weeks? Three weeks. Um. Hmm. I feel like. I don't know. I think just because I feel like the world, including myself, has some kind of Encanto song in their head. I'm going to go with. We don't talk about Bruno. You know, that would have been a good guess about four weeks ago. But for three weeks, okay. no, it is not. Okay. Uh, all right, Justin, what's your guess? I'm going to say that that peacemaker intro that do you really want to do you really want to taste it? that that's what's been in your head. You know, that's not a bad a guess one. either. Throw your dog the invisible bone. It's uh, really catchy. It's the only reason why that's not the one stuck in my head is because I only think about that song when I watch Peacemaker. Uh, I think about the dancing more than I do the song. There's a very specific dance move I love that they do. And uh, we'll talk about that when we do the Peacemaker episode. But yeah. But no, that's that is a good guess also. But no, that is not it. Uh this isn't it's not movie or TV related at all. I guess I could have told you guys that. Um but no, it's uh that's what I want by little Nas X. The song's been stuck in my head. Okay. Really like that song. I guess that's really it. That's that's all I have for that, really. So, that, this I mean, he very... has catchy songs, so any of his would have been understandable. Yeah, I agree. It's just something about that song specifically has just been stuck in my head. I think it's the clapping part, where it's like kind of slow and melodic, and then it's like clap, 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 and then it just kind of goes back into the hook again. Really love that part. I think it's fantastic. So this is a very anticlimactic game compared to the last two weeks. That's true. Yeah. Had to switch it up was. a bit. Yeah. We, 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 it was we, bound to take a turn. We, we've gone like 20 plus minutes the last two weeks. And this week we're like barely pushing four. Oh man. But hey, that's 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 the 
I don't know. I don't remember what kind of fucking saying I'm trying to say. I'm like the, I guess uh, uh, the game giveth and the game taketh away. But neither one of you got points because this one's a scorable one, so neither one get points. So that sounds right. I mean, that's kind of nice. I got two wins today. And I guess I can't get a win on a C or a D. Although I think with C, I don't know. I, I questioned you guys once. I don't remember. I have no idea what's going on anymore with the game. The game has just gotten out of hand. And it's just a mystery. Uh, a mystery box, if you will. Here's our theme song. Somebody have listened to me. Nobody knows anything but you. Cinema Slayer. That was a really messy fucking intro. Why? <laughs> I, I, I lost track of what the fuck I was saying at the end of that. <laughs> I think it has something to do with the movie we're talking about today. Uh, so... Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight, we will be talking about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the uh, new movie, Uncharted. We will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler-centric section. And, uh, uh, Heather, spoiler-free, uh, go. Spoiler free. Well, um, again, I didn't really, I mean, I didn't know much about this. It's basically based on a video game, right? Uncharted. So I didn't know that and I didn't know anything about it beforehand. So I didn't, I just kind of saw it as like, oh, it's going to be an adventure type of like um, almost national treasure meets I don't know, Mission Impossible or I don't know, something along those lines, but not as good. And I think that's kind of what it was like. I I think I got what I expected because I didn't really expect much, if that makes sense. Like I, I thought I would find it somewhat fun, which I did. And I knew that I was going to like the dynamic between Mark Wahlberg and Tom Holland. And I did like that. Um but again, it's just a very um, basic, predictable, almost story. There's a few things that I actually thought were going to pan out a little bit differently. But overall, I just think, I mean, there wasn't anything super crazy new or different about the storyline of what they were doing. But it's the type of story that it carries you through enough of the movie and the character dynamics make you, you know, I guess in a sense, the character dynamics, you know, pull, pull it off well enough, but it's nothing that makes it exceptional. Nothing that makes it great. Um, I, I do think definitely the writing could have been a little bit better, but given that it's based off a of video game, I, I feel like 
it definitely could have been worse. <laughs> so yeah, it was, I mean, it was fun in parts. I think it was, um, I mean, I wasn't bored with it. Um, but it wasn't anything that I would say is this is the greatest action or adventure movie I've ever seen. But I think the characters are serviceable. And I think the story, um, I cared enough about the story to, you know, leave the movie thinking, okay, that was good. And what I expected. So I guess I would say it's a fine movie. Um, and yeah, that's all I got. (laughs) Justin, what about you? Uncharted. So, um, so I'm kind of on the other side of that as far um of the other side of Heather on that as far as just um familiarity with the games. Um now I haven't played all of the Uncharted games, but I have played some of them. Um I so I'm familiar with the the video game franchise, but but the ones that I played were kind of early in the Uncharted, I guess you could say game franchise. So I mean, I want to say that the ones that I first played were like on PlayStation 2 or 3. So it's been a while. And I and I didn't get to play any of the newer ones. And I want to say 4 and 5 came out on the later uh, PlayStation consoles, I think. Or maybe 3 and 4. But either way, one of the, the later ones that came out on the later consoles haven't played those. So there are... And so when it comes to like familiarity or what characters are actually in the game and what characters, I remember Nathan Drake. I remember him having a brother. I don't remember a lot of these other characters. So and it could just be I'm so far removed from those games that um, that could be why. I mean, I always respected the Uncharted games, but I'm kind of a Tomb Raider guy. I really liked those games. I sort of gravitated towards the the, the Tomb Raider games. And I always saw the Uncharted games as kind of like, you know, Tomb Raider ripoffs. I kind of looked at, I always kind of looked at them as, okay, this is just, you know, another, just another company taking another stab at Tomb Raider games. And I always felt like the Tomb Raider games were better in my opinion, or at least the later ones I thought were definitely better than the Uncharted games I played. Now, you know, don't hate on me gamers. I haven't played the latest one, so maybe I'm wrong, but at this moment in time, that's how I've always felt. Um, as far as the ones that I play versus Tomb Raider. And of course, Tomb Raider is an Indiana Jones, you know, all both of these, both of those franchises are kind of they're Indiana Jones ripoffs, if you will. You know, that's what they are. They're action adventure. You're an explorer. You're 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 looking for buried treasure and you're going to temples and tombs and there are traps and you're there's a map and you're trying to find clues and find this treasure and there's all these other uh people trying to find the same thing so it's kind of this race to see who can find this treasure and you know evil people want it for evil reasons and are but but our noble characters want it for more noble reasons. And that's kind of the the way that those stories work. You know, they're 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 based off of Indiana Jones. Um I think though, and that worked for the video games. I think though, however, whenever you're trying to adapt something like this to a movie. 
the problem is, is that when it comes to movies, there are just so many movies like this. You know, Heather mentioned National Treasure. That's just one of many kind of movies that have kind of come out like this. Of course, Indiana Jones is the most popular kind of iconic, most, you know, successful version of this. But there are definitely other movies that have come out like this. So I think the challenge with this movie is like, how do you make it stand out from those? Like, how do you make it stand out from other movies that people have seen? Because even if they're unfamiliar with the video games, even if they're not really familiar with that, if you're not a game fan of this, how are you going to separate it? How is somebody not going to walk out of this and think, well, it's just an Indiana Jones, you know, national treasure, uh, rip off type of movie. How are you going to avoid that? And, and I don't know if this movie, it didn't feel like it wanted to do that. It didn't feel like it wanted to kind of in any way stand out from movies like that. And then I also don't know if it really captured the essence of the video games either. It felt so different from what I remember from the video games. So I don't really know what this accomplished. I mean, other other than it's just more or less just a, you know, a throwaway, mindless popcorn time at the movies. You know, it's just a way to pass a couple of hours. Uh I do feel for Tom Holland, though, because in this movie, I do feel like Tom Holland shows flashes of something of someone who definitely is a star and can be a star. I think that he can be a star beyond what we've seen in Spider-Man, though, you know, it's coming to the point to where the Spider-Man movies are his best movies. But I don't look at him and think, well, he's only good as Spider-Man. There are are a lot of reasons. There are a lot of things you could take from this movie. And there are a lot of reasons that you could use this movie for and say, man, Tom Holland could be the next. He could be the next big action star. You know, some of the things I think he, he does in the action sequences and stuff like that were kind of reminiscent of Jackie Chan. Just the way he jumps and hops around and almost sort of parkours his way through action scenes. And he's got that kind of agility and he's got that background about himself like, you know, and and that was definitely suited for Spider-Man. But it was nice to see him not be Spider-Man, but still be able to apply some of those gifts to the fighting and stuff like that. And some of those things, those action set pieces are some of the more exciting parts of the movie. Not so much the combat is what I'm talking about, but the movement. I think that Tom Holland showed me something that I that I haven't quite seen when he plays Spider-Man, at least I think, just the eye test, you know, and maybe some people could go, well, it's kind of the same thing he does as Spidey, but I don't know. The eye test and just me watching so many action movies and stuff like that, this felt a little different. You know, what he was able to do here, I was like, man, I, he might be the only star that young able to do some of this stuff that, that he was doing. And I do see, and he's got a charm and a likability. Like, I think he can make a lot of good movies. 
unfortunately, this just to me is just just so middle of the road. It's not entertaining enough for me to say it's a good movie or a great movie. And it's not bad enough for me to say it's a bad movie either. So I just sort of fell somewhere in the middle. It's just a passable Indiana Jones-ish action adventure movie. And Mark Wahlberg does okay. They have okay chemistry, but kind of like what Heather said, I just don't know if the script serves them. The The villain characters are just your run-of-the-mill kind of uninteresting characters. So there's not really much to sink your teeth into with this. You know, this is definitely not meat and potatoes. This is more like cotton candy and, you know, almond joys and M&Ms. That's sort of what this movie is. And I think that some people, though, for some people, that's enough. You know, for some people, they just want something fun and forgettable and passable. Then this is definitely the movie for you. But for me, you know, I mean, you guys are you listeners out there that are familiar with this podcast. You know me. I'm always looking for something a little bit more than that. I want something more that I can sink my teeth into. And I was hoping maybe this might have some beats to it that would allow me to do that. But unfortunately, it doesn't. So I'm just sort of left kind of, you know, in the middle. It was okay. I, you know, I walked out sort of shrugging my shoulders like, okay, that happened. That was a movie. All right, cool. On to the next more anticipated release. Recommendations and score. Uh, Nothing. Justin, go. (laughs) Nothing from you. Okay. Uh, You know, I mean, can I recommend this as a quality movie? Like, oh, yeah, this is good. Go see it. I recommend it. No, this is definitely one that you could wait for. Um, and, And even though those those flashes and those things that I talked about from Tom Holland, I mean, even some of a lot of those things, his charms and his chemistry with other actors and stuff like that. There are probably better movies where you can see that, honestly. Um, Other than that, I mean, I just think that this is just really one of those forgettable things. I could only really recommend this if you're just looking for a couple of hours to blow and you got money to spend, maybe see it in the theater. But this is definitely one that you can wait for on streaming. Uh, So with that being said... Um, I did like the chemistry with the characters and, um, I did like some of the action set pieces. So if I was right in the middle, that, that might give it five more points. So with that being said, we'll go, uh, 55, 55. If Mark Wahlberg calls Tom Holland a kid one more time, I'm going to blow a gasket out of a hundred. Uh, Heather, what about you? Yeah, I I agree a whole lot with your assessment of that, Justin. Um, I think, yeah, while it is serviceable and enjoyable enough, it's not it's not something that I could be like, oh, my gosh, you have to see it. It's not a must see. It's a see it if you're just looking for something to watch and you have the time kind of thing. Um mm-hmm. There are moments that are okay with it, but I 
I don't know. I just feel like it, it reminds me a little bit of Red Notice from Netflix in the sense of it's a very basic kind of nothing bland story with some mm. good characters and chemistry in it. And that's what kind of makes it enjoyable in a way. Um, so that's kind of what it reminded me of as far as like what I liked about it. You know what I mean? So I, you know, and, and I do, I do agree with you also about Tom Holland. I do think the, the moments when he's being vulnerable and he's being serious and he's needing to actually have some like real emotions about stuff. Those are the better moments of the movie. Um, So I do agree with you on that. I I don't think he's only good as Spider-Man. I just think, unfortunately, he's not necessarily the greatest at picking the roles that elevate him as a good actor. But I think um, Mm. the he's he's always like a shining moment in a movie. (laughs) Like he's always probably the most memorable thing in a movie that he's in. And just the way that he delivers lines and emotion I really resonate with it. And I, I really love how he does that when he gets the chance to do it. Um, there's not a whole lot of that in this movie, but the moments that they do have it, I'm like, yeah, see, this is what proves that he's actually got skill and talent, you know, not even just action wise, but emotionally and acting wise. <laughs> so, yeah, man, um, like he really needs that. And sorry to cut you off, but he just, just to say this one thing. He really needs that directing, that director and that producer. He really needs, and the writer, he really needs that crew behind him like what Keanu has with the John Wick series. You know, they seem to understand what are Keanu's strengths and how do we magnify all of those strengths and just, you know, and simplify are almost microscopically his weaknesses. And how do we capitalize on that? Man, Tom Holland, and I think about Tom Holland, man, he has so many strengths. I just think he needs the right writer, the right director. He needs somebody to come in there and be like, oh, if we give him this kind of story, he can do these emotional things. If we give him these kind of action scenes, he can do these things. If we give him this kind of story, he's going to kill it. I can't wait till he finds that perfect combination, man. And we're going to get a a badass action movie from him. Too bad this just isn't it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and even in like dramas he's been in, they're just not good movies. There is absolutely mm. nothing wrong with him in them. The movies just aren't that good that he's been in where he's had those dramas he's done. Um, <laughs> but But I do, I like this whole kind of thing they're doing with him right now where he is kind of that next big action star because I think he's got the skill to do it. He's young enough to do it and keep doing it for a while. Um, I mean, he was a trained gymnast, so he's got that ability to do his own stunts and really just pull off what he's doing. Um, You know, so I I think he's, he's got a good fit as far as action goes, but I just think he can do so much more. He has a lot of potential to be um, in things that are more substantial and I would Mm -hmm. like to see that. So, but anyway, all that being said, um, yeah, the dynamics are fine. They're serviceable, but again, nothing about this is stand out in any real sort of way. Um, but 
you know, so I would say watch it if you're just looking for a new action movie that, you know, you just want to see in some free time. But it's not necessarily a must-see, top-of-the-list type of action movie or movie in general. Um, I'm going to give it... I think I'm going to kind of match your score there, Justin. I'm going to give it a 55 um, pre-made Shirley Temples <laughs> um, out of 100. <laughs> I'm putting wow. as much effort into this podcast as they did to the movie. I Damn. see. <laughs> this movie is boring as shit and forgettable as fuck. Like, I mean, and, you know, this is kind of behind the scenes a little bit, but like, I saw this movie like four or five days ago. I really don't fucking remember shit about it. This movie is the definition of fucking forgettable. Like, I I don't care at all about a single fucking thing in this movie. I'm sure Tom Holland was fine, I guess. But like, he does a lot of parkour, which, I mean, that was super cool when Casino Royale did it. How many fucking years ago? Like. <laughs> yeah, it was a long time ago. I mean, what parkour hasn't been cool in a movie in what? 14 years, 15 years. I don't, I don't need to see some parkour. Like, you know, we talked about the cliches in marry me and how they kind of make and help that movie work. But then this movie does every terrible cliche that is done in action adventure movies. Like, can we stop having the the hero character that's obviously incredibly physically gifted not stumble around and do slapsticky fall shit? Yeah. Can we have one of these type of movies where they don't, like, almost drown? Like, what is it with these type of movies or... Like, what kind of stereotype are we saying about, you know, people from back in the day? They're obsessed with water and drowning people traps. All of them. It's it's tiresome these days. Can we stop having fully intact pirate ships that obviously would have rotted the fuck out? Yeah. <laughs> Can we stop having underground caves with massive holes right above the actual treasure itself? Like, it's just every fucking tiresome thing about every one of these fucking types of movies. It's in this movie. Like, oh, we're thieves. We can't trust each other. So it's double cross, double cross, double cross, double cross. Fuck, that's annoying. Yeah, there were so many double crosses that you you yeah, didn't get a chance to really invest in anybody because one minute the the movie's making you think okay this is the main villain nope double cross no this is the nope double cross oh it's actually her like it just it does this thing where there's all these double crosses and it just how can you connect to any character you know what I mean like how could you 
I, I couldn't gravitate to anything because the movie was too busy double crossing and not really developing anybody. You know what I mean? Characters double cross so much in this movie that they end up back on the side they were originally on before it mattered that they would change sides. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that, that, that other character that was with them, the, um, the, the other woman, the good woman, uh, Chloe. Yeah, I'm sure. Do any of these <laughs> characters really have names outside of fucking Nathan Drake? And Sully, no, it's just a bunch of people. They had character A through Z, and that's what the fucking credits yeah. were. Yep, to Not move a single from fucking to person in this movie required a name. That's how it felt, honestly. And you didn't even really need to name them Nathan Drake and Sully. You could have called it Kid and Guy. It would have been the same fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like Chloe betrays them and gets back on their team and betrays them again, but for herself and not for the bad people, like within the span of 10 minutes, but nothing plot wise mattered in that 10 minutes to actually justify her changing teams. You know, like none of that mattered. Like, yeah. And every five seconds they were like, trust me, trust me, trust me. This movie should have been called fucking trust me. <laughs> like I'm down for some ridiculous ass shit I love me some Fast and Furious movies how fucking dumb was that having those fucking pirate ships being flung around on helicopters that was one of the stupidest fucking things I've ever seen in a movie and it's mainly because <laughs> they did nothing exciting <laughs> with it Nothing. I'm down with the premise because it's dumb as fuck. Sign me up. Why not? And then they give us that and you're like, oh, it just doesn't matter. They didn't even do any fucking like like a cool sword fight, really. Like they kind of had some swords. But you couldn't give me a fucking pirate-esque sword fight? Something? You're on a pirate ship. It's all set up for you. And they just did a bunch of fucking nothing. And like. Weirdly enough, the Antonio Banderas villain had some. Had some potential. Because it's just like the the uber wealthy family been around forever kind of nefarious but not like you don't really know or is that just the way they are type of like there's some potential there was killed by the most boring villain in the history of cinema she did nothing it was just yeah boring and literally and just it made me followed. wonder oh, I was oh just go saying, ahead. she Sorry. was just literally accompanied by Dictionary definition henchman. No, you're you're absolutely right. And then she got to be the main henchman. And so then I started, I was really racking my brain going, 
is this character from the games? Is this like one of the main villains from the games? And uh, is that the reason why this is happening? Because I was kind of mad when Antonio Banderas just got killed. I was just kind of mad. And I was like, maybe she's a character from the games. But even if she was, then why do that? Why not make her the focus of it then? If she's the main, if she's my main villain from the game, if this is something that mirrors sort of what happened in the game, why wasn't she developed and seen as an important character? Why did they, why was she just a, a run of the mill henchman then kills who we think the main bad guy is? And now it's like, she's the main bad guy now. Okay, but you know, I mean, it, it's great to have a, a female antagonist and all that, you know, that that's good, but they didn't develop her at all. I didn't know anything about her except she was a mercenary. She wanted the treasure too. What made her different from any other henchman in the movie? You know, yeah. it just like, I, I just, that they just didn't develop her at all. And you couldn't because you were too busy doing these these double crosses, you know? You know, I was thinking in my head, like as much as they tried doing jokes in this movie, I don't think a single one of them actually fucking lands at all. Like, I, I seriously think I laughed about a negative seven times in this movie. Like, this movie owes me laughs. <laughs> it reminded me a lot of the humor in, 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 in Venom, especially the first one. Still a lot of the second one, too. And I literally just looked it up and I went, oh, fuck. It's directed by the same guy that directed Venom. No wonder it felt this fucking oh. same. That makes sense. Mm, no wonder. No wonder it's just devoid of a story. Yeah. And just a simple paper thin ass plot. But it's. It, it's just. I, let, let, let's go back to the, the, the villain lady for a second. Just real quick. This movie heavily implies that she has a history with Sully. But then they do nothing with that. And then it also heavily implies that maybe her and Sully fucked. She's got like her, her legs around his head or his, and she's like, remember when you used to like this and shit like that? So it's kind of heavily implying they fuck. She's only 25. I don't know how old she's supposed to be in the movie, but the actress is only 25. I'm like, when did they fuck when she was yeah. like 18 and he was still like, yeah, I felt that way too. 40 something. Like it's still awkward and gross. I did not like any of the innuendo they had towards that. But like just none of the history in this movie makes sense with the characters, you know, like none of it. And I don't, I'm like Heather, I don't have a connection with this game. At all, I have seen it be played by Devin once. As in, I went over to Devin's once and he was <laughs> playing this game. That's all I know of this game franchise. Now, I do know 
uh, from other stuff that the the character Chloe, uh, she is from the second game. And I think Sully, I don't know, Sully's supposed to be his like mentor in the games. I don't know when they get into it, but I know a big part of that's in the third game. And then there's a big thing about like his brother's not mentioned for the first few games. And then the brother is a character or whatever in a later game. But Mm. like, I don't know, just so much of this movie, they, they, they make it seem like it has some weird importance. Like the, the circumnavigation of the world by Magellan. Like, I know historically that that does have some real importance and shit like that. But, like, they weirdly make it seem like it, it it's a big pop culture thing. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, the Magellan Voyage. And you're like, oh, yeah, man, love me some Magellan Voyage. And, like, they're just everybody's so weirdly obsessed with that. You know when I've, the last time I heard anybody talk about the Magellan Voyage? In fucking high school. Yeah. (laughs) And they should just be dropping that shit left and right. And that's where, like, things like... And it's weird that I I feel like I have to say that. It's weird that the National Treasure movies do this better than this movie. Because the National Treasure movies do nothing better than anything. And they are infinitely more fascinating than this movie. Because it's so much easier to connect with so much of this shit in, in the National Treasure. Because they're like Declaration of Independence, Constitution. You know, things that people like actually know or care about. Like Indiana yeah. Jones knocks that out of the park. Because, you know, it's fucking Holy Grail. You know, Lost Ark of the Covenant. Like big fucking deal shit. And in this one, it's like, oh, Magellan's gold. And you're like, Magellan had gold? (laughs) Right. You're like, when was that supposed to be a thing? Like, ever. They're like, it's the most gold that's ever been golded before. And you're like, is it though? Like, so much of it. Like, it's just so weird that like... That they try to act like that's just a thing people know. And whether or not that that's just something that they're implying in this universe of the movie, and that's not really a thing in the real world, whatever. But the way they talk about it just does not feel connectable. Especially whenever they do all that shit in Spain. All that shit in Spain. And they should just be doing this shit in Spain and they're just Indiana Jonesing the fuck up throughout Spain just to go Philippines here we come and you're just like oh okay guess we's going to the Philippines just nothing about this movie flows naturally feels natural nothing this movie at the end of it Sully has the chance of he either saves Tom Holland or he saves the gold. And this movie does not give you any reason to legitimately feel like he wouldn't choose the gold. Yeah. But of course he doesn't. 
you know, because it's this movie. And I'm like, there was never any growth in this movie to suggest that that would not have been the outcome. And you're lying to yourself, movie, if you think that the version of the end you gave us is the actual ending that was supposed to happen to the movie we just watched. Because none of that was true. And like, so much of this movie, these characters and the plot lines and everything like that just feels so, for lack of a better word, scripted. And I understand that that's kind of oxymoronical because of course it is. It's a movie. It has a script. But a movie should feel like it's a movie. It shouldn't feel like I'm reading a script. Organic. Yeah. yeah. Like this movie. Like what the fuck was it? Like they're just like, oh, I'm a great thief and all this other stuff. But he's kind of a bumbling idiot, you know, Sully. And his big solution to steal an artifact with the, the most security that has ever existed in the history of a movie ever is turn his jacket inside out. Like, what the fuck? And then like Tom Holland ends up in a server room of this building and all kinds of shit and blah, blah, blah that had one key card badge before you get to it. I have been in a lot of building server rooms in my day. The more important the building, the more badges you need to get into that shit. Like, I'm just talking about so many badge readers. It's never just one. It is dozens at that point. And he just one door and then he's in a server room and shit. And then there's all the fucking electrical for the building. Like also in a building like that, and this is kind of whatever. Uh, it's not going to be up on the second floor. Power's not going to be there. Power's going to be on the first floor basement. It's not going to be up on the second floor. I know that's kind of nitpicky, but that's just kind of how buildings actually are. And they did it just to have that weird lamp uh, scene where also I didn't understand the whole the, the lights for that shit because like he would be swinging on them and all this other stuff. But then when they would lightly graze each other, they would explode. Right. But he can jump back and forth like Shia LaBeouf on vines from Indiana Jones four. <laughs> but if they hit a slight breeze, they explode. Like just so much of this movie does not matter. And also just, this is a note directly to the producers and directors of this movie. You don't film a throat cut scene face on if you can't show blood. You just look dumb. <laughs> like, I get it. They can't show blood in this movie. It's PG-13. Cool. So you have her slit his throat off camera. You don't do it head on. And it look and then make it just look like she took a red magic marker and drew a line on his throat. 
That is so dumb. Man, you have her like right before they're about to like do the drop up off, slit his throat, kick his body off the fucking, you know, plane, something. But you could do that off camera and then just show his body flying out the the plane. Because you also don't leave that body sitting there bloodless because you look dumb. You just really do. Like, once again, I understand why you did it. PG-13. That's why you don't. That's why you don't film that shit like that. That's like if Alfred Hitchcock had done Psycho. And instead of showing the blood hit the bottom of the the shower, it just shows her getting stabbed like seven times and just nothing. It would look dumb because it is. That's why that's why directors get paid good money to not put dumb shit like that in their movies. Like. Just fuck, man. And like all these people are talking about like, oh, this pirate ship's worth like six billion by itself. Who's paying six dollars like six billion for a pirate ship? It's just all busted and shit. Like, I guess there are rich people out there that want to buy rare shit, but like, that's just weirdly specific. They're like, man, we can get six billion for this pirate ship. Because there's just a big pirate ship market. Like, I did, that just seemed so weird to me that they just kept throwing stuff like that around. Like the gold I get, gold has value inherently and all this other shit, but like the pirate ship just didn't seem like, you know, it was worth that much. It's been in a fairly, see it, and and that's what bugs me about that whole cave situation. It's like those ships were constantly still getting rained on. Mud and all this other stuff would have like slid down into that because it was just a hole in the ground. And they were just more or less pristine. And so none of it visually makes sense. And also it's just like. That was a huge hole in the ground. Because they were able to lift them out of it. And yet somehow it's perfectly covered with trees on top. All the trees just magically. I don't know, grow inward to cover this hole. (laughs) It's just, this movie is fucking tiresome. And I truly believe that no one gave a fuck about this movie outside of Tom Holland. Tom Holland is the only (laughs) person I feel like that gave a fuck. Mark Wahlberg gave zero fucks during the filming of this movie. (laughs) I have not seen that man not care about a movie so much since he did The Happening. Ooh, that's rough, but fair. Mm. And the other characters were so poorly written. How are you supposed to know if they cared or not? Their characters were nothing. 
So like Tom Holland's the only person in this movie that you can judge whether or not they cared. He tried. He was running around Tom Hollanding the fuck out of this movie. And it just matters none. Because he's not, I, I, I don't have a problem with Tom Holland in any way, shape, or form, but he's not Meryl Streep. He can't pull a best actress win out of a fucking piece of shit. Like, you know, <laughs> she can't. It's just. Yeah. It's he needs that nothing. team. He's, he's Matt Stafford, man. He's Matt Stafford on the Detroit Lions in this movie. You know, that that's what it is. He's got all this talent, uh, you know, football analogy for sports people. He's got all this talent and all this ability and you see it. And, you know, back to kind of what I was saying about those fighting scenes and everything. It's true. You know, um, yes, parkour is kind of a forgotten art, but Tom Holland has a way and a movement about him and a way of doing it. And it's, and he brings a believability to it because we know he can do those things. Well, it you know, we know that you see the actor doing it and it's not a stunt guy yes. that is just an unknown person doing parkour. Yes. You know? And so I think that that's what brings a believability to it is that he can do those things. So I feel like, that's I guess that I went I wanted to kind of explain why I felt like I in why I enjoyed those scenes um his action sequences more because he does have a unique set of skills and so it adds something to when he does scenes like that like he's got all these talents and like there were scenes where whenever he was hurt by what Sully was telling him about his brother, when he was finding the truth about that, like the, the, the dude can act his ass off and he's got the, he's got the acting chops and he's also got the act, the ability with his actions. So he feels like that quarterback who has all of these talents, he can make any throw. He can do all of the things. He's got the numbers, you know, the proof is there. All you got to do is watch but he needs that team around him, man. He needs he needs to be on the, a team like the Rams. He needs the ambitious coach, and he needs um, a, a general manager, and he needs the people to be like, man, we're going all in on what you can do. We're going to get everything that you need. We're going to get you a defense, and we're going to go all the way to the Super Bowl. He needs that kind of team around him. And yeah, he, he does on the Spider-Man didn't have set. that in his movie. Yeah. You know, and we've seen that with like the with the Spider-Man. But I think he can do even more than that. I feel like he has the potential to be, do even more. I feel like he could have his own kind of maybe action movie franchise beyond that. Like, I feel like he could totally do it. And it could be like, not only could he do the action stuff, but it could have some really like emotional depth and stuff like that. It could be some really neat stuff, you know, stuff that other action people really aren't doing. I think he could even bring some emotional depth to an action role and he could do them both, you know, which would make him unique from somebody like the rock or somebody like, you know, or something kind of different from 
the Marvel flavor. I feel like he could totally do that, but he doesn't have that team. He doesn't have that director that understands that and sees that he doesn't have that team and that writer being like, oh, we're going to write this. And so we're going to really like, you know, punctuate his strengths on screen. He's he needs that man. He needs that for stuff like this. You know what I mean? Well, this the next big action franchise that he should be a part of. That's what this is supposed to be. Unfortunately, I know. I know. This and is, it just this is like if Matt Stafford it, went back to the Detroit Lions next year. Yeah. Like, I mean, Tom Holland, I am, I'm not really for typecasting because I think any actor could, you know, be a different role, believably, as long as they pick the right ones, you know, I mean, look at what fucking Keanu Reeves has done reinventing himself with the John Wick franchise and shit like that. You can do it with anybody can be a different role. Like I've got no problem believing somebody that's been one role for a while, changing it up and doing something else. It's, it's, it's fine. Actors can do that. But Tom Holland and his ability to choose movies outside of Spider-Man kind of makes me want him to get typecast as Spider-Man. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm tired of fucking seeing this other shit he does. He is the worst role picker since Ben Affleck exactly. in the middle to the like mid two thousands. Like there was a huge chunk of Ben's career that that man could not pick a role to save his life, and that's what Tom Holland's doing. Just yeah, mediocrity after mediocrity after mediocrity. Penciled in with some Spider-Mans here and there. Like, fuck, man. Like, you need to you need to hit up that Zen- Zendaya and ask her how the fuck she chooses roles. Cause she got you beat. I was right infinitely better. Yeah. I was about to say, like, why do you think that is? Because it's not like he doesn't have peers who are picking because like I was just about to say, look at Zendaya, like look at the stuff she's doing and look at the and look at the roles that she gets and stuff like that. Right. Is it is it is he already typecasted? Is the is it the fact that the roles that he's getting are a direct result of Spider-Man. So people just see, oh, it's got to be something simple like this. Oh, it's got to be, it's got to be action oriented like this. Is he already typecasted? And we just don't, haven't realized that. Or, I mean, why, or, or, or why is he only picking these? Is it something with him? I wonder, does he only think that this is what he can do? It's him, you know? Like, because just look at the roles he's picked. Like that Chaos Theory movie and, you know, this franchise and all. It, it's him. I think he's a little. He's a big kid. Yeah. Yeah. That's the problem. Is he still very kid-like? And this movie yeah. doesn't help with that. 
Because like I said, that's where they get the bumblingness to his action scenes. You know, is that they that he picks roles that kind of still keep him almost kid like. They don't let him just be an adult action star. Hmm. You know, because there was like zero reason to have him do some shit and then be like, and fall over. Like, why is he the only motherfucker in this movie tripping on every goddamn thing in this movie? He trips no less than like 2000 times. He's fucking playing this action role. Like he's fucking Chevy Chase on SNL in the 70s. Just falling over left and right. And it makes no sense because they do so much to show he's capable. But they want to keep him like that young. I don't want to say naive, but they want to keep that youthfulness to him, which to them is mistakes. And it just makes no sense to me because there was just no need for that in this. Like you just see him like, like early on in this movie, he is doing this insane workout montage of just physical dexterity. And then the second he runs two feet, he trips. I just don't get it. Like, I get why they did it, because that was supposed to be humor or something. But it's, it's, it's fucking tiresome. You know? Like, this is, it, it's meant, and like, I get a lot of it is playing off of, you know how, like, Indiana Jones and the, like he'll do some stuff and then he'll like get caught in something and he makes that like that dumb Indiana Jones face where he's like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. They want it to be that. That's what they want those scenes to be because Indiana does it and it's endearing. He does it and you're just like, oh, okay, again. You know, yeah. it's just, ugh. And like, did you guys kind of think it was dumb that they had to find like 9,000 keyholes to get down to a bunch of jars of salt? Yeah. They just kept going around, just keyhole, keyhole, keyhole. And then they're like, yeah, oh man, that- we got to put the keys together to fit this. And I'm like, but the keys don't actually go together. Like they should have actually fit together better to make it feel like that was their purpose. It just felt dumb. It was too easy. Like it just felt like everything came easy for them in those scenes. Like, Oh, where is it supposed to be? Sully, there's gotta be something around you. Find it. And he's he's like, I don't know, I don't know. Oh, there it is. <laughs> you know, it was just 
I don't know. Like, it was yeah. just like, Sully, it's got to be somewhere around there, man. We're drowning, man. You got to find it. Let me look around. Restaurant, a window, you know, a window. Man, they built a window around they? this wall. That, that Papa John's <laughs> construction team went, you know what? There's a keyhole in this wall. We better not destroy it and put a window in front of it. Right. Yeah. Why would the Papa John's? <laughs> And also, was that not one of the worst product placements ever? Of, yeah. Oh, this keyhole. It's in a Papa John's. <laughs> right. What the fuck was that? Like, that scene felt like an unironic version of that scene from Wayne's World, where they do, like, 20 product placements in a row, making fun of it. That felt like the unironic version of it. Like, it, like <laughs> I know that this didn't happen in the movie, but in my mind, when I think back to it, when Mark Wahlberg says Papa John's, he just looks and smiles and stares at the camera for five seconds. That's what I feel <laughs> when I remember that scene. I know that didn't happen. But it sure as fuck felt like it did. And I think Papa John's pizza is at best mediocre when it comes to your big pizza, like fast, like chains, like the big chains, the big four. It's mediocre at best. Nothing has made me not want Papa John's more than this movie. <laughs> like, I have never wanted to just straight up boycott a product or company for just being in a movie more than Papa John's just because they built the Papa John's around a fucking keyhole. Like what the fuck was that? <laughs> and it's just so weird. Cause it's the most unornate thing ever. It wasn't like it was in a gigantic painting and there happened to be a keyhole in there or something. They went, man, this is a weird ass wall. With a keyhole in it. You know what we're going to do? Let's build the wall to where that keyhole is just right in the middle of this fucking wall. Because, you know, nothing makes pizza taste better than staring at a weird rock keyhole. And also, what kind of hiding shit is that? That keyhole's just in the middle of a goddamn wall. <laughs> Like they hit, the, you're not wrong. Like the last keyhole was like under the bottom side of a fountain or some shit. This one was just in the middle of a fucking wall, like 20 feet away. Made no damn sense. But like, apparently in Spain, they really appreciate their ancient architecture. So even when they build their weird rave clubs underground, they make sure to keep all the original decorations in place. Thank God. <laughs> oh, like I like I said, I this movie didn't try. It just did not fucking try. Tom Holland did. I'll, I'll give you know what I'll give. I, do I want to give Antonio Banderas a pass? Because I I didn't have any problems with his villain. 
his villain felt right for this movie. Except the movie disagreed with me, apparently, three quarters of the way through. Because they went, huh, this character fits this movie. Let's fucking kill him. Because God forbid we have characters fit our fucking movie. Yeah, he definitely was not the worst thing about the movie. You Not at all. Yeah, they were developing him. He was, you know, you, you got to see how he acted towards some of the other characters at the auction. You saw the odds he was having with his father and everything like that. And so when he killed his father, you were like, damn, man, that was ice cold. And, you know, it was just like he was sort of developing into you, you just felt like that was going somewhere. Everything that you saw, it felt like, OK, this is going to culminate into him being the ultimate antagonist of this. And, and then they just killed him. <laughs> and it was meant to make the just, bad person seem better, but it doesn't at all. Yeah, it didn't work. You're just like, well, you, you killed the other bad guy. You didn't even kill a good guy. You killed another bad guy. You know what doesn't make bad guys look bad? Killing other bad guys. Like, you know, like, nobody's sitting there going, man, that Joker is a bad guy. And you're like, why? Oh, because he killed Clayface. So bad. No, the Joker's bad because he beat the fucking killed a version of Robin. Not bad because you kill another bad guy. What the fuck is that? Yeah. And it's not like true. It was like a physics, like it wasn't also like it was a fight. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you can have a villain look worse because they beat a different powerful villain. You know? Like Dr. Doom getting the infinity gauntlet because he beats the beats Thanos. Yeah, that makes him scary because there's the that trial. To become like to show that. Nah, motherfuckers just sitting there trying to take a drink. It's anticlimactic. You're not you're not a villain because you kill a guy sitting there. Like I I mean, it's like this movie went, huh? How do you make a villain look scarier or more physically intimidating or something like that? Should she fight this guy and beat him and be like, oh shit, look, she could beat that guy. No, no, no. Let's have her kill two different guys that are both sitting there. Vicious. Yeah. She just wasn't intimidated at all. And we saw her scenes ago. She got thwarted by Mark Wahlberg twice. You know what I mean? At the, whenever they were at the, um, the, the hotel and he was escaping and then again, whenever they were at the Papa John's, you know, she got that Papa John's beat down. So, <laughs> like, like how, you know, if the Ninja Turtles haven't had a fight sequence in a pizza restaurant, don't do it yourself. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good rule. Yeah, of but uh, yeah, but it would be like Shredder, you know, it would be like Shredder losing twice in the movie. And then them coming back and saying, you know, he's the best or something or like or then the turtles like being intimidated by him or something. I don't know. It's like 
it's I can't find a comparison because movies don't typically do this. <laughs> they don't make this mistake. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's hard to find like, a comparison. <laughs> the way you do that is you have Mark Wahlberg barely escape. Exactly. He needed to escape her, not just throw her into a wall and shit, you know. Yeah, but he's Mark Wahlberg, you know. He's got them good vibrations, you know what I mean? He's got something, I guess. But like, he ain't trying to look weak. He ain't trying to look weak. It's Marky Mark. (laughs) I mean, this movie played out like if it was Avengers uh, Infinity War. And Thanos shows up and the Avengers just beat the fuck out of him. And then like 10 minutes later, they're like, man, I'm so scared of Thanos. He's a bad guy. And then somebody goes, wait, didn't you just beat the fuck out of him? Like very easily. I mean, with a little trouble, but you know, ultimately you decisively won that encounter. Well, yeah, but you know, we're going to see him again later. It'll be scary again. (laughs) Yeah. Like he needed to escape, you know, like something like, I don't know, like, because it shouldn't have had that set up because that's also what makes no sense. They're trying to get down there because they think the treasure's down there. Why the fuck don't you just let him use the key? And they go down there and get the gold. Because that's what they think. Is the gold's down there. So why don't they do that? Why do you stop him from using the key? That benefits you. <laughs> None. <laughs> that yeah. actually hinders you. Because if he doesn't use that key and they drown down there and plus you don't know where they're at, you don't even know how to go down there to get their key from them. You actually make it almost impossible to get your goal by fighting him there. Just no sense. Also, was it was it weird to you guys whenever he was standing up and jumping from box to box as they were hanging outside the plane? Does that not seem like that would be hard in the, I don't know, air? To just jump like that? Yeah. <laughs> and stand up? Like, I've never stood up on a train. But I feel like most movies get it right when people are standing on trains and it's like a struggle to move forward because the train's moving fast. So there's wind. Like you're in the air and there's a plane and you're hanging up and they're just jumping like it's a fucking Mario level. Yep. Like, I get it's a video game movie, but you're Uncharted, not Mario.
Why is he platforming crate to crate in the air like it's nothing? Like that made no sense to me. Also, was did you guys think it was dumb that the movie started that way? Yeah, I was going to say that actually. Like I just think it was weird that they started it where they did. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw no benefit from it. Unless it was supposed to be like, oh, let me engage you right away in all the action and then take it away. (laughs) I have no idea. I mean, I just, I, I get what you're saying, Heather, but it's weird to go. Let me, let me pull you in with this action sequence. With characters you don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. I know you know that Tom Holland's going to be the main character and he's the main one in that sequence, but then, but then they show almost the, the same full sequence later again in the movie. Which without it probably would have been one of the, you know, probably considered the highlight big action scene. Yeah. It would have benefited from not seeing it twice. Exactly. Like, especially whenever you're watching it. And like I said, I, I, I had to watch them jump crate to crate twice. Like, so I got right. to see it at the beginning of the movie and go. No, no, they didn't do that. No, they didn't do that. No, that's dumb. They wouldn't have done that. And then the movie goes and then before that scene comes up, I'm sitting here thinking. Man, they are dumb enough to do crate to crate jumping in the air. And then they show it again, and I'm like, yep. Yep, they did Yeah, I mean, even if they would have, they could have, like, even if they wanted to try and open the scene that way to to let you know, oh, it's going to be a lot of action, they could have not made the opening part of it as, like, don't show as much of that part. You know, like, maybe show Tom Holland with his eyes opening and then, like, free-falling and then going into the scene where his brother's trying to catch him off of the balcony or whatever it was. Like... Yeah. Just something that tells you, oh, it's going to get real, but then don't show as much so that when that big moment comes, you're just like, what's about to happen here? You know, because, you know, he makes it out of there by the first scene, because. I mean, or at least, you you know, as far as he makes it, at least in the first scene, because you see it happen already. No, you're you're right. You guys talk. I've talked enough. Fuck this movie. I will say one thing I did think was going to happen that didn't is I thought that Mark Wahlberg was going to end up being his brother. I don't know if anybody else ever thought that, but I and maybe it has something to do with game characters and that maybe that was obvious that he wasn't. But I really thought he was going to end up being his brother for a little bit of that movie. The only reason why I didn't think that is because like they were only like three years apart in the, at the beginning of the movie and they're obviously decades apart. I mean, don't get me wrong. It wouldn't surprise me if the movie tried to do that, but I would just be staring at him going, you're out your damn mind. Like as much as this movie did some bullshit, I'd be like, they're out their damn mind if they tried to do that shit. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. But 
just the way it played out and like especially the scene when um you know when he's talking to him in his room in his house and he's like you didn't even get any postcards from him like very specifically asking that and then the next scene you see him with a bunch of the postcards and that's kind of what made me think okay is he asking because he's the brother and he knows that he sent them you know what i mean so just stuff like that that made me feel like maybe that's the direction they were going to take um and they didn't and that's fine uh but yeah there there was just that was the only thing where i was like okay i expected that to happen and it didn't but all the other stuff was fairly predictable like even all the double crossing and everything like definitely saw most of that coming i didn't see them killing antonio banderas right away but i did see like you know the the girl who was helping them for so much of the movie turning against them and you know her and tom holland making up and then her leaving and trying to go and find the gold without him i saw that coming and then him deciding he was going to trick her instead i saw that coming you know so again a lot of it's super predictable but and and the more we talk about some of these scenes i'm like you're right some of this was just really insane like (laughs) so many keyholes and keys and just (laughs) so much stuff happening and just like another trope that I know it's supposed to be funny and, you know, part of like what they do in action movies is just the real dire situation that Tom Holland and the other girl are in. And they're like, we really need you to get this opened or we're going to die. And he's just like making jokes. He's like, all right, just give me a minute. I'm a little busy, you know, because he was fighting the girl. Like just stuff like that where you're like, okay, you're, you're like <laughs> just this real dire situation. And he's just like, yeah, give me some time. Sorry, guys. You know, it just I feel like they do that in a lot of movies. And um, sometimes it's funny, but I think this did not execute some of that as well as other movies did. Like you were talking about Sterling with. Things were supposed to be funny that weren't like some things they did were amusing and humorous, but stuff like that, where it's just the very cheesy, predictable things that they're going to try and do in it because of the type of movie it is. And that's fine, but they, it it is, it it did not try to make it, it didn't try to elevate itself above any other type of movie like that. Um, So I get what you mean about like, nobody really tried (laughs) in this movie. Um, But again, I don't think it was, it's not a terrible movie. It's just not memorable in any sort of way. So that that's really my biggest like issue that I had with it. And um, yeah, I think <laughs> it's like even that scene where they go and he's like hanging off the lights. I was also just kind of like, wouldn't his hands be like burning if he's just hanging off of these lights? You know what I mean? Like the way that he was <laughs> just yeah. I was like, wouldn't his hands be like he would have fallen because his hands would be burning off right now if he's just touching the light directly like that. I don't know. But, you know, and for as much as they were these like incredible, you know. Like action and whatever people <laughs> like they they didn't make a lot of smart decisions. They just didn't like you would think somebody who seems to be as like well rehearsed in what he does for a living (laughs) that Mark Wahlberg would be able to catch that somebody's tracking him or following him. 
like the girl was, you know, like you just feel like he would be more aware of his surroundings if he does what he does for a living. (laughs) So, I mean, Tom Holland, I give him a little bit of a pass because he's clearly an amateur in this movie. But in the same regard, like just they they try to be so smart and, you know, logical and think through all these scenarios and make this whole plan. And they don't think about things like that. I just don't buy that, if that makes sense. But yeah, I I mean, a lot of what you said were my biggest things with it, too. Like the opening scene didn't have to be that. Um, You know, I just think that. I get that the story progressed because of the fact that the brother was supposedly dead, which we find out he's not. Um, But, you know, like just the progression of that happening is how the, or the way that that happens is why the story progresses, how it does as far as like the tension between Mark Wahlberg and Tom Holland. And, you know, he thinks that the main villain girl killed his brother and just all these things. And I just feel like it was kind of a waste of that. And and I know it's setting it up for like a second movie or something or a series of movies, but it just felt like so much buildup about the brother and, you know, they're going to reunite and they're going to do this thing together. And it just amounted to nothing. And I figured something had happened to the brother, but yeah, I don't know. I just felt like that, that plot point almost got wasted because of how they progressed the story. So that's the only thing I have. What about you, Justin? Well, yeah, we kind of have gone back and forth and kind of said a, a bunch of different things, but yeah, you know, just to the point that I was making about just the treasure hunt and everything, just the hunt itself to get these keys, to get the treasure and everything like that. I just felt like it came too easy to the characters. You know, a character would go, man, we really need to figure this out. And then it would seem like minutes later, we would have a solution or, oh, I figured something out or man, maybe he left me a message on these postcards. Let me burn one of them. All right. I I know what the message is now. Or, you know, it just seemed so easy. It, It just, it didn't, it never felt like it was that difficult. And then other characters are just like, oh, that's where they went. All right, I'm here now. Or, and everything like that. Like it just, it just never felt like that difficult of a journey as far as just finding the treasure and stuff like that. And just like we talked about the hole in Papa John's or, oh, look, there's a hole right here conveniently under this fountain. And there's a, you know, just all of these different things. It just felt so easy to get to the solutions. So to me, that just really took away from it. I, I just, I just never found really any of that stuff very interesting and, you know, maybe some of it was kind of the Magellan stuff, like what, what Sterling was talking about, but, the but, but it just, it just felt so like, like we said, scripted, like, okay, this is what we need to happen here so that we can get to scene B. And then this needs to happen in scene B so we can get to C, D, E, F all the way to the end of the movie. That's really what it felt like. And like some of the other characters, like the Chloe character, 
okay, I get the betrayals and stuff like that. But it was just kind of weird to me that at the end of that, she just didn't come into play at all. You know, like she went the opposite direction because Nathan tricked her and everything. And then it was just weird how all of that stuff happens, the bows, this, that, and the other. And you have this whole big set piece. And then she's just down there sailing by looking up at the plane how she knew they were up in that plane, I don't know. But then, you know, she's just kind of looking up and she's like, those bastards. And that's just the end of her. I just thought that was weird. Like, she just didn't come into play at all. You know, I thought that maybe somehow she would ride by on the boat and maybe that bag of gold that they dropped, I thought maybe somehow it got stuck to something or something like that or the or it got on a piece of the ship that was sinking or something. And she, I thought she was going to roll by and scoop that up. And so, uh, so ironically, the person who got misdirected, who you thought wasn't going to wind up with anything actually winds up with that little bag of gold or something. You know, I just thought there'd be something with her at the end of that, since she was in so much of it. And then it was just kind of like she was, just gone at the end and then showed up to go, ooh, look at them at the end. That was just weird to me too. Like, it just just felt like with these characters, they just really were just placeholders to get Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg from point A to point B. And yeah, Yeah. and then, and and like all the stuff with the, the brother, like, I mean... Even when they showed that, oh, look, the brother's really alive at the end. It just, I don't know. I was just like, oh, wow. Oh, yay. He's alive. You know, I don't know. I just had no reaction to that when I saw it. You didn't care at that point. Yeah. It just, you didn't (laughs) really care at that point. And the person who, so the person who allegedly killed him didn't kill him. So that sort, so even if you were satisfied that the girl Braddock or whatever her name was got killed because she killed Tabala's brother. Well, now we found out she didn't. So, I mean, so doesn't that kind of cheat that a little bit? Wasn't the point right. that we got some sweet revenge because we got the, the, the killer of his brother. Well, he's not dead. So, you know, that took away from that, in my opinion, like, see this movie just, It just didn't know. And that's what I mean. That's what we mean by just it lacks a cohesive story with really any sense of depth to it. And I'm not talking about depth like, oh, I want this to be the the power of the dog kind of depth. I'm not even asking for that kind of depth. I'm just asking for a story that makes sense, just seems somewhat organic and not even makes sense like, Oh, there are pirate ships. There shouldn't be pirate ships at the end. I'm not even talking about that kind of sense. I'm just saying just a, a script that you 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 go through it, you go through the story, and you're like, okay, I'm cool with this. You know, <laughs> we these characters were developed. I understood the motivations of the villains and somewhat were invested in them. It felt like an edge of your seat thriller where it's like, oh, man, you know, I'm on the edge of my seat because these action scenes, it seems like something's at stake or it seems like, oh, man, I care about what these characters are doing. 
this just didn't give me any of that because of the way it conducted itself. You know, whether yeah, it's, you don't get that. Yeah. You know, whether it's like you said, the actions it opening with an action scene is showing us too much of it at the beginning or all of the double crossing. So you can't get a sense of what a character is. So when characters make decisions that you just don't feel any emotional weight from them, except for Tom Island's character, because they spent the most time with him. But everybody else is just kind of doing stuff, you know? Yeah, so, and you actually reminded me of a couple of things in the movie that I was like, what is this? Like at the end too, when Braddock is, you know, she's about to get Tom Holland and all this stuff. And he, yeah, when he drops the gold to knock her off the thing, I feel like the gold was heavy enough where he could have just gotten one piece out and hit her in the head with it. And it would have done the same thing. Like he didn't have to drop the whole bag if he was that worried about the gold. <laughs> like. I get that the point was to prove that he had grown and he's choosing this guy's life over the gold. But I'm like, dude, like, especially with his character, you know, he's going to still want that or try to go back for it or something like just take one piece of gold out, hit her in the head with it. And it would have just been the same thing. You know what I mean? And they would have still left with the gold, which they did anyway, because somehow Tom Holland had a bunch in his pockets. There's no way that would have happened. Because like how quickly and crazily he was moving. But um, yeah. And then also all of these like earpieces that they have in. Like as much as they were underwater and as much as the other stuff they were doing. I'm like there's no way those things still would have been working. That's crazy. But just a little thing that bugged me. Yeah, or these cell phone trackers across seas. Yeah, like and- he's underwater. He's like, oh, I got gotcha. you. It's like, how? How do you have me right now? I don't understand. Because <laughs> you, you didn't realize like- that they were using Sony cell phones in a Sony movie. Oh. So, of course, that shit ain't going to die no matter what the fuck you do to it. <laughs> That's very true. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Now, product placement, people. Come on. Yeah, why do you think James Bond has no uh, cell phone issues? Because he uses Sony phones in his Sony movies. Sure, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Hey, you got to be fair. Have you ever seen an iPhone act up in one of Apple's TV shows? Nope, never. Just saying. (laughs) Not happening. These are good points. Yeah, that's a good point. And I mean, if you kill a rich guy, if you kill a successful, rich, seemingly important guy like Antonio Banderas's character, nobody's going to like, I mean, you, you put, you, you were at a heliport, you put all that stuff on that plane and his expensive car and all this other stuff. And there were crews and equipment people and stuff like that. Nobody's going to link that back to you. Like, Justin. That is nowhere near as bad as him killing his dad while he's in the car with him. Yeah, I was, I was, I was going there. I was going there. You okay, know, he okay. killed his dad of the car. Yeah, I was going to say it all. Yeah, he killed his dad of the car. Like nobody cares about the stuff. Like <laughs> these bodies. Like <laughs> right, that's true. And like also this this whole idea that Braddock kills Antonio Banderas's character. 
And like, it seems like there was some kind of agreement that all of the other henchmen had with her. But I'm like, why are they going to be loyal to her and not him? Like, he's a much more menacing, whatever type of bad guy, in my opinion. Like, what what makes them think that also she wouldn't do that to any of them? Like, it just didn't make sense that they so blindly followed her with no questions or tried to, like, overthrow her for killing him or something. It was very strange. Yeah. Why weren't why why weren't we at least privy to the deal? Like, because all we knew was that he hired them. She was a mercenary and had this crew or whatever. He hired them. And he also hired Chloe and all of that stuff to kind of follow Mark Wahlberg and Tom Holland and all of them. So we knew that. But yeah, after the betrayal, why was there, you know, had, did, did she convince the crew we'll just kill him and take the gold for ourselves? I mean, I'm sure that that's what it was, but how come we didn't get to like understand that and see that? And anytime she was talking to them, she was talking rough to them too. Like if he, if they, you know, she, there was a part where she was like, if they escape, um, then I'm going to have your head for it. And she's threatening to kill them. What makes her what made her so powerful and intimidating other than just looking at or camera angles or whatever the case may be? Like, why were they so subservient to her? What was to stop one of them from betraying her and right. taking the gold from her? What what was to stop anybody from doing it? So why did they why could she talk that way to them and under, and know that she was still going to get a maximum effort from them? That, that, that was strange, too. And because you didn't develop these characters, we don't know, you know. No, that's fair. Yep. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> yeah, fuck, it. fuck this movie. You guys got any more thoughts about it? Nope. Nope. Well, I do. Fuck it. Fuck this movie. Uh, so thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Simulslayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.simulslayers.com. Facebook, we're Simulslayers podcast or uh, Twitter and Instagram, where we're cinema underscore slayers. TikTok, where we're Simulslayers pod. Uh, give us a five star rating review. We'd really appreciate it. Really help us out. Uh, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends, family, tell your family's friends. And most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because, you know what, actually don't. Don't tell mothers about this movie. Nobody fucking needs to see it. Um, <laughs> and as I was in the podcast and the uh, TikToks, just remember recording to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. It's such a sweet sensation. Well, you got those good vibrations. I had no idea where that sound was coming from for a minute. <laughs> uh, oh, shit. You know what? I forgot to what we should have talked about at the beginning of this episode. I watched Pinocchio's Revenge. 
Oh, oh man. Did you just love it? You know how that one guy said it could have been worse? Yeah. I don't think that guy saw the movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, only like three people die in this movie. It was kind of boring. Yeah, it was hella boring. <laughs> and like, I, w- I had to watch it on YouTube, so they cut out the sex scene, which... Based on the rest of the movie is the only reason why this like movie got a rated R was obviously the sex scene because it's not violent at all at all. Even by like mid 90s standards, it's not a violent movie. But like you could tell that sex scene is where they really went. You know what? We's going to be rated R because these people gonna fuck. And, like, I just thought it was so funny, though, that, like, the uh, they do those scenes where they're fucking and it just cuts to that little girl just lying in bed listening to him fuck. She's just <laughs> listening oh, to no. her mom get railed by her boyfriend. <laughs> and then the next day, like, the next scene is then they show the babysitter, you know, nude and in the shower and all that stuff. And the. They're like, the whole thing is, oh, Pinocchio wanted to see the babysitter naked because he was curious as to what a woman's body looked like, you know, because he heard you fucking last night, mom. He heard you just getting blasted. You're just like, what the fuck is this movie? But like, it's, it's like. I was like 40 minutes into that movie and I hadn't seen a single Pinocchio revenge yet. Like it's just, it takes forever. And then like that puppet, they are like, you know, there's the whole debate on whether or not the puppets the killer or is it the girl manifesting her homicidal tendencies through Pinocchio, whatever you want to call it. But the way the movie's playing out, Pinocchio kills a little girl and kill like, almost kills a guy and does all this shit, but then needs his strings cut to go to the hospital. And so like, as soon as he gets his <laughs> strings cut, he goes, I'm free and runs the fuck to the hospital. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and Justin, that's where I noticed this. That's where Vern Troyer is. When Pinocchio is running down the street, that's Vern Troyer. Okay. That's the only time okay. in this movie Vern Troyer is Pinocchio. Because the rest okay. of it, it really is just a wooden doll doing nothing. And the actor just acting with a wooden doll being there and acting like they're fighting it. It's not even a puppet. It's legitimately a wooden doll that the actor acts like they're fighting. But no, that's Vern Troyer when it's like running in the distance in the dark out of focus. That's Vern Troyer. And I could tell just because I know that run from him being mini-me. So, yeah, that was the Vern Troyer moment in that movie. Okay. Okay. Oh, boy. Well, you you learn something new every day. But, yeah, I, I knew that you were going to hate it, bro. I knew it because I was sitting there going, wait, and I was doing the same thing when I first saw it. Waiting for the kills. I thought at least it was just going to be a cheesy kind of 
you know, it could have been a Thanksgiving. Yeah, something like that, like Thanksgiving. But instead, they really tried to make it like this psychological thriller. Is it or not? You know, is it the the little girl or not? And they were they were really playing, trying to play into that psychology. But the acting and the story is not good enough for that. And they really it, tried. It, it they tried. really tried to give it, it that element. I loved every time it tried. Like, I loved it when Pinocchio gets the knife. And the mom sees Pinocchio standing there with the knife. And then when she turns on the light, it's the little girl. Or I love it when she gets hit in the head by Pinocchio with the poker. And then like half a second later, it's the little girl. And she's like, I took it away from him. You're just like, okay. Like, I just loved that they constantly kept trying to do that and failing at the execution constantly. Now, I will say this. I openly laughed. When she threw Pinocchio through that table and then it panned to the daughter lying there through the table. I laughed. Yeah. I laughed very <laughs> hard. Cause I was like, that is the dumbest way to try to do that ever because they had such a great opportunity because there was a fire going in the fireplace. Oh my gosh. She should have thrown Pinocchio in the fire. It didn't turn out to be the daughter. Oh, that would have been the greatest oh thing in the world. <laughs> oh no I'm not saying kill her I'm mean, like because you know she just knocked her daughter unconscious through the table have her be thrown into the fire and just a little burned that's all I'm not saying kill her daughter I'm just saying get burned a little because I'm not gonna lie if I'm fighting a wooden puppet my ass throwing that shit in the fire it's wood Wood's natural enemy is fire, not tables. If anything, a table would make Pinocchio stronger. Because if you've ever learned anything from Pokemon, using the same type of attack against something is very ineffective. (laughs) Just saying. Like, do you remember that, that, that wrestling match, Jasna, of when the Undertaker fought the Undertaker. Yeah, what was it? SummerSlam. Yeah, yeah. A and million remember, dollar man had a taker. Remember, whenever the Undertaker got choke slammed and tombstoned, it made him stronger. Yeah, it's that type of situation. You can't use a wooden <laughs> table against a wooden puppet. <laughs> Like, he should have turned into Super Noke when that happened. He should have been all decked out like the Super Shredder. But Nokio style. And they didn't even have his nose grow. They they hinted that they were doing that. Like, when he said something, and she looked at the shadow, and the shadow's nose grew, and then she looked back at him and goes, you're lying. And I'm like, <laughs> but his nose didn't grow. <laughs> but like it was kind of funny that w- that was really funny whenever the Pinocchio doll called the eight year old girl he murdered a bitch I did laugh at that too I don't, know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was meant for me to laugh but when they're talking about the little girl that he pushed in front of a bus and he goes when I killed that bitch you know that was good I laughed 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, you're talking about an eight-year-old. But like, is there any doubt that it was the daughter? Because I'm not going to lie. The first fight you see, like the first time you see the daughter and she gets in a fight, she bites a bitch. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> obviously that girl is crazy. If you, you you start a fight by going, I'm biting your ear. She went straight to Mike Tyson mode without even really getting beaten <laughs> first. <laughs> yeah. And in a better done movie, it just would have, if it was executed better, it, it probably could have actually been good. You know what I mean? The, it had the potential, not this per se, but the concept, if done by somebody with some skill, would have been, you know, could have been good. A better you know? version of this Maybe. movie is The Omen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, The Omen or, yeah, yeah. Maybe not Pinocchio, you know. But that's but. also the weird thing about it is why did it have to be Pinocchio? Yeah, it could have been anything. It, that's the problem with it, is it? Dude, I'm watching this movie and I'm like, if his nose doesn't grow through somebody's eyeball, it's a waste of a movie. <laughs> How do you have Pinocchio be your villain and him not kill somebody with a growing nose? Yeah, that, is that should have happened basic idea ever like how do you like your first thought if you go man what if pinocchio was a killer should be the 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 very next thought should be he has to kill somebody with his nose nothing else yeah all it had to be was him charging at somebody with a knife and they're like are you going to kill me? And then he goes, no, I'm not going to kill you. And then the nose just extends and goes through their head. And he's like, you know, see, like, or just something like, or just have him like, like charge them with a knife and they grab him and they're all tussling and whatnot and have him just start saying shit. Like, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm just trying to be your best friend. Just keep talking and saying things like that. And his nose just keep growing and then it just slowly grow into their eyeball and out the back of their head. <laughs> it just keeps growing as he's lying through them. Yes. Like that is just the most standard Pinocchio death ever. Like, do you know what is not a good Pinocchio death? Shutting a door on someone's face. Or pulling their life support. that that was the most boring death in a slasher movie ever pulling somebody's life support he pulled the plug on that boy that was your boy too Uh, you like that character that was your boy man and he pulled the plug on him well yeah I I did like that guy apparently he fucks good because that's the only thing this movie did (laughs) was show him fucking the mom good I was yeah, the wife him. was loud. That guy, yeah, she was pipe. loud, man. <laughs> she was loud, man. Like the daughter was like, "Dang, boy!" Like inappropriately <laughs> loud. Like they filmed that, like, like they went into the daughter's room and fucked on her bed while she was sleeping. Like that's practically what they did. <laughs> 
it's just hilarious because that little girl is just doing that stereotypical laying in bed in a movie thing where they're just laying perfectly like straight on their back with their with their head just perfectly on the pillow, just listening to hardcore sex on the other side of that wall. Like, why has that babysitter who lives with them not go, look, this might not be my place, but you fuck really loud. And if I can hear you, obviously, on the other side of this house, your daughter who is right next to you is getting a play-by-play. Oh, man, this movie. (laughs) Like, was it not trying so hard at the beginning of it to do what Chucky did, like, in Child's Play? Yep. When it's like the... Yeah. The kids trying to blame the puppet, you know, the doll. They tried to do that so hard. That's the vibe I got when you talked about this movie. (laughs) Never worked. Never. Nope, not at all. Like, I don't want to even say this is a poor man's child play. Because it's not. Because a poor man's child play is still child's play. This movie is just a waste. Like I said, that guy that says could have been worse. No, it couldn't have. Because you didn't do the most Pinocchio death of all. Or maybe at least take his strings and wrap it around somebody's neck. Do some puppet killings. There was no puppet inspired killings. That is my, that's my review of Pinocchio's Revenge. Because I said I would watch it. I said I'd get back to you guys. So, I did. That was more interesting to talk about than Uncharted. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because at least, you know, this movie had some fucking in it. Even the even the YouTube cut up version because they couldn't show any nudity. It's still more interesting scenes than we got in fucking Uncharted. Man. All right, I'm done. Are you guys done? Yep. <laughs> <laughs>